In a moment, I'm going to pray. Because I've been pondering today, uh, this week about how sometimes the words that we speak are not always the words that people hear. So we say things and we think we've communicated something very clearly, but then the person that we're talking to might hear something slightly different, right? So last night I was um, <clears throat> sitting on the couch and I was just looking over my notes for tonight and, and Xavier had just come back from a birthday party and he, he said to me, <clears throat> are you going to tell everyone they suck again? <laughs> I was like, sorry, what? Because that's what you preached about last time. I was like, so that's totally what you heard. Because, you know, Seekers was in that week. And um, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I spoke about how God was awesome and we were ordinary. I don't think I ever said that everybody sucked. And he goes, oh, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> Which made me think of this story back uh, a lot of years ago when I... Uh, talked in kids' church about baptism. And I gave everybody, some of you might have heard the story, I gave everybody an opportunity to give their heart to Jesus. And that night in bed, Campbell, my husband, went and prayed for Xavier. And he said, hey, Dad, because, <clears throat> you know, I've talked about the analogy of, of being baptized, how we die to us, you know, you know. And he's a kid, and, and <clears throat> thankfully it was my kid that thought this, because he said, hey, Dad, I thought that when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was going to die. My husband's like, why would you think that? Well, because Mum said that, da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, this is his, his He goes, oh, right, well, um, how do you feel about the fact you didn't? <laughs> so he was like, yeah, pretty good, eh? <laughs> I chose to, rather than lament in my lack of ability to actually preach to children, I chose to celebrate in the fact that my son chose to give his heart to Jesus, even though he thought he was going to die. Anyone else in the room want to give their heart to Jesus? <laughs> so anyway, so I'm going to pray, because I believe that God can translate to you what you need to hear today. <laughs> Lord, I pray, Father, you'd come and you'd speak today. Lord, that you'd speak to every heart where we're at. You know Every person in this room, very, very intimately, you know what they need, you know what's happening in their lives, you know the words that need to hear. Lord, I pray, Father, that those will be the words that they hear today. Father, that they would hear a direct message from you, even if I don't even say it, but Lord, you would speak to every heart today, both in the room and online. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would speak to hearts today. My name is Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you're at Super Kids, I'd say, in my name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you'd say, I'd say it's not loud enough. In my name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Still not very loud, but that's okay. We'll stop there. So the thing about preaching to children is you know when you really do it badly because <clears throat> they stop listening and they talk to each other and they, you know, just do their own thing. Whereas you all just sit nicely and look at me even if it... <laughs> Uh, I really felt God speak this message to me very clearly. I really felt like God uh, spoke to me a message today called faith over fear and that we need to draw the line. So that's why that line is wonky. It's intentional because I drew it. Uh, <clears throat> you know the saying, you know, I'm going to draw a line in the sand, this far and no more. 
And I feel like that's what we need to do when we need to choose faith over fear. We need to draw the line and say, actually, no, no longer will I let my life be ruled by fear, but I'm going to choose faith. And you know what? It doesn't just come naturally. Fear comes naturally. Faith, not so much. Fear not is one of the most common statements from the mouth of God in the Bible. Fear not is easy to say and reasonably difficult to carry out. I had an experience the other week that uh, really is, this message is based on God because God hasn't really stopped talking to me since. I'm not going to, as I ordinarily would, I would normally go into the context of the story, but I'm not going to because I don't want to give the enemy any more, uh, <coughs> more airtime. Um, we know that the enemy's agenda is to steal from us, to kill, to destroy, but we know that God has come to give life. But I was talking to someone about something, and I, I literally felt fear, like I've never felt it before. I felt like, has anyone had a bucket of water tipped over their head so they get wet from the head down to the toe? I felt fear, as I was talking to this person, I felt fear come, and it, like, it, it came to my head, and it, like, I just felt it go all through my body to my feet. And uh, I've never experienced anything like that. They talk about the fear of the unknown, but I believe that sometimes the fear of the known is greater. When you stand before something and say, I I can't do that again. I can't go back there. That is when real fear sets in, when you know. You know, you can fear the unknown because you don't know it, but when you know something that could happen and you know that you can't go back there, the fear of the unknown is sometimes greater. But you know what? I stood there and I recognized that for what it was. It wasn't facts, it wasn't reality, it wasn't God, but it was fear that came straight from the enemy. In real terms, there is a lot to fear in the world, isn't there? Particularly if you've got children, you fear for their safety, you fear that they might, something might happen to them, you fear losing them, you fear they might get into drugs, they get hurt. We fear... We can fear that we might not be able to provide, we might not be able to earn enough money to feed our families. That's a pretty, pretty realistic fear right now with the price of <laughs> cost of living, isn't it? We can fear getting sick, we can fear being misunderstood, we can fear the way the world is going, we can fear losing someone that we love. There's so many things that we can fear, but God. God really spoke to me as I started researching fear. When I was like, actually, I'm not going to accept that fear. I'm going to choose faith. So I chose, to, I chose to get into the Bible. I mean, what better place to find faith than the Bible? So I chose to start researching it. And I just really felt clearly like we need to draw the line. It might be shaky. It might be wonky. It might be wobbly. But we need to draw the line where we choose faith over fear, no matter what we actually feel. Fear isn't something new that we're dealing with in our lifetime. We can trace fear all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where the the devil tempted Eve in the garden. At his sly request, questioning God's truth, fear was ignited in Eve's heart. She took a bite of the fruit, believing that the devil was right. Fear is sneaky, it can be very quick, and it can be very debilitating. Here's a slight funny that I sent to my daughter, though. Girls have a hard time choosing what to eat because last time they chose, they doomed all of humanity. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't have a hard time with choosing what to pick, but one of my, one of my children definitely does. <laughs> the dictionary edition of, definition of faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something, or trust in someone's ability or knowledge, trust that someone or something will do what has been promised. Dictionary definition of fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by being aware of danger or a bad feeling that you have when you are in a bad caused by a bad feeling that you have when you're in danger when something bad might happen when a particular thing frightens you. Faith isn't a feeling like fear is. Faith is a choice or even an action, but fear is a feeling. Fear is an emotion that God can have control over. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Our God... The maker of heaven and earth, if you didn't hear the message the other week about an awesome God, not that you suck, but that he is awesome. <laughs> Our God, the maker of heaven and earth, says in his word, which we know is true, fear not because I will help you. Amen. The God, I'm going to say it again, the maker of heaven and earth says don't fear because I will help you. He doesn't leave you to sit in it alone. He doesn't leave you to face things that are fearful situations alone. He says, I will be with you. Matthew 17, verse 20 to 21, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, that if you had even faith, even a smaller mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. That is how small a mustard seed is. Very small, very insignificant. We only need a very small amount of faith. A small amount of faith in a big God that whenever fear will creep in, whenever fear may wash over you, that all you have to do, all you have to offer is a very, very small faith that might sound like a very, very small prayer that says to God, I believe you. I believe you over anything that could come my way. I believe you. Our faith doesn't necessarily need to look massive and, and declaring. Sometimes our faith is small, and Jesus said it can still move mountains. I want you to picture this scenario. that I, I read this in a story the other day, and I want you to picture the scenario. A little boy plays on a rooftop. Don't let your kids play on the rooftop, but you know. Little boy's playing on the rooftop, and he hasn't been very careful, and he slips through the railing, say a balcony or something. He slips through a railing and goes over the edge. Everyone flies into panic as he dangles from the edge of the house. His father comes over and says, jump, and I'll catch you. And you can bet all the money in the world that dad is going to catch him. He has a trust in his father. But Wait. The fact that he jumps doesn't mean he wasn't scared of falling. It doesn't mean he was giggling and happy and laughing all the way down as he dangled or as he, dangled or as he fell down or as he jumped. 
It also didn't mean that he looked at the ground. It also doesn't mean that he didn't look at the ground and think, it's really far down and I'm really high. But at the moment his father said jump, he can see hope. It doesn't mean also that he didn't hesitate for a second and think, what if dad doesn't catch me? Why then does he jump? He does so because he thinks, my daddy is strong, he is big, and he will catch me. Dad won't let me get hurt, he will always catch me. And that is what it looks like to choose faith over fear. When we're swamped with trials and overwhelming emotions, when we're afraid of something that looks bigger than we can handle, it's making a choice to trust God and his promises regardless. It's about looking past the magnitude of the mountain before, before you and looking to God, believing that he is bigger than any mountain. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. If you are struggling with faith, if you are struggling to believe that God has you, head to Hebrews 11 and read it. Hebrews 11 is entitled, What is Faith? We all know the scripture in Psalm 23, probably, is often read at funerals. That even when we walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You comfort me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. Sometimes we face the hardest things. The fear, we th- the fear that we felt when things happen, even in our darkest days, God is able to guard us and carry us. Fear does not mean an absence of faith. Fear can sometimes actually be safety. Sometimes we can feel a sense of being careful and that keeps us safe. We don't actually, when you say that a child is fearless, it's actually not a good thing because that child is going to throw themselves off anything. doesn't matter if someone's not holding them. Sometimes, sometimes a level of caution is a healthy response to a situation. Sometimes a healthy response of fear can keep us safe. But other times, and more often, fear can paralyze us and stop us from doing everything that God has for us. We need to be like the small child who's about to cross the road and looks up at their parent to hold their hand or gets chased to hold their hand as they're about to cross the road. We reach up for a hand to guide us when our path is difficult. But to keep small children safe, we as parents need to be in proximity to them. If little Bridie was down here and no one was looking after her and someone was all the way over there to keep her 100% safe, You couldn't. You need to be in proximity to someone, a small child, to keep them safe. And it's kind of like that with us with God. We need to be in proximity to him. We need to be able to hear his voice. We need to be able to hear him guiding us. We need to intentionally be in proximity to him. In 1 John, verse 4, it talks about perfect love casting out all fear. 
And God has perfect love for us. And some of us don't know what that actually is really like. But he still has it for us. But I think while we're still here as mere humans, flesh on earth, flawed, we need to choose faith over fear. Choosing faith over fear isn't about doing more to overcome. It's not about striving. It's not about straining to have more faith and to find it somewhere. It's about believing that God can help us overcome. Faith is about knowing God can, believing that God can, and walking through each day reminding yourself of the truth that God knows and God sees the bigger picture. To fear not because God is with you. Deuteronomy 3 verse 22 says, Don't be afraid of them because the Lord your God will fight for you. Sometimes we have to practice our faith muscle. We have to practice believing in God. We need to practice believing for the small things so that when we need to believe for the big things, it comes more naturally. We need to stretch our faith muscle and turn to the Bible again and again and find the words that are truth. Find the things that God says he will do. So that when fear threatens to come and take us out, we can stand on the faith of his word, the things that we know he says, that he will fight for you, that you are not alone. I've always loved this picture. When you feel like you're drowning, don't worry. Your lifeguard walks on water. Who's felt like they're drowning any time in the last month? It's not as many hands up as I thought there would be, to be honest. You're obviously all doing really well. Who's felt like they're drowning in the last couple of hours? <laughs> Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Now, I regularly struggle when I'm preaching to bring a single verse because the Bible is full and so rich and, and in its context, it is so, there is so much to learn. I honestly believe that you could study the Bible every day for 50 years and still have more to learn. Uh, but when we preach, often we, have to, we can't you know, elaborate into every context around it. But whenever I bring a scripture, I would like to assure you that I do read the context around it. But for interest of time, we obviously we, we pick a scripture and we preach it. But it is very valuable. It's very, that's why I think that writing notes is actually a really good thing to do. So you write the note and then you can go home and you can read the context around that scripture. You can do your own study. You know, you don't always know how to study the Bible, but that's one very basic thing you could do. Write down a scripture that is spoken and go home and read the chapter around it. It's rich in depth in its context, but it's also very valuable in its own right. Isaiah 59, verse 19 to 21, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. 
The Redeemer will come to Zion, and for those who turn from transgressions in Jacob, says the Lord, as for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you, and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, for this time and forevermore. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in with a flood of fear, a flood of uncertainty, of the unknown, when the enemy comes in and tries to steal and to kill and destroy and make you live in fear, the Lord your God will raise up a standard against him. It's like you draw the line. And the enemy can't go further than that. Having faith in God is trust. Having faith in, uh, in ugh, excuse me, having faith in God over fear means trusting His plan, trusting His provision, even in the face of uncertainty, difficulty, or danger. It involves acknowledging and facing our fears, but not allowing them to control us or consume us. We will feel fear. Fear is real. Not suggesting that if you have faith, you're not going to feel it. What I'm saying is that when you have faith in God, your fear will not consume you. In Matthew 14, where Jesus walks on water, we see that Jesus did not call Peter and the disciples. He didn't, he didn't call them out and, and growl them for being scared. They were in a storm, in darkness, thinking Jesus was a ghost. He called them out for not having faith to overcome that fear. Mm. Often this involves an action where Peter literally had to get out of the boat. He literally had to choose faith over fear with a physical action. Other times it's simply a mental state or an inward, an inward turning to God. Hebrews 10 verse 39. For we are not of those who turn back and are lost, but we are people who have faith and are saved. Psalm 56, verse 1, Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attacks. My adversaries pursue me all day long. I had to go to Rebecca's office and say, Is it, would it be bad to say, my adversaries pursue me all day long, and sometimes that's just your own children. <laughs> in their pride they are attacking me. When I am faithful, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? In God I trust, and I will not be afraid. Having faith over fear is not making decisions without doubts or concerns of the outcomes. It isn't being careless or foolish. Instead, it's having faith over fear involves considering the situation, weighing up, 
which actions you should take. Understanding danger, but then making a choice to fight through the fear and trust God anyway. It means pushing fear aside and replacing it with faith. When I was, maybe I'm not entirely sure how old, but maybe around 19, I was helping lead a youth group. And um, me and a a guy were were leading this youth group together. Um, I don't think the church had a youth pastor. We were sort of both just doing it voluntarily. And we had this awesome youth group with a great bunch of kids. And um, there was this young lady there, and she was just so... Uh, she was very creative. She was very. She was in love with Jesus. She had a real heart for him. She included. You know, she's one of those really lovely people. She's included everybody. She went to a different school than a lot of the kids, but she was just always there. And then uh, over a short space of time, she started feeling quite unwell and looking quite unwell. And uh, <clears throat> she was uh, quickly diagnosed with cancer. Her name was Emily, and she was fifteen. And it was the first time in my faith that I really had life or death, needed to have life or death faith. And I did. I really believed that God was going to heal her. We would go around, her parents were Christians, we would go around to her house and we would pray for her. She was in and out of hospital, so we'd visit her quite a lot. We really, we would have prayer meetings for her. We would pray a lot for her. But you know what? She actually passed away. And I think about, particularly since having kids, I think about her family often. And when she passed away, uh, the parents asked uh, me and the other guy that was leading to take their, uh, her younger siblings to Rainbow's End for the day just so they could plan the funeral and meet with the people they needed to meet with and process everything that happened because, you know what, they really believed she was going to be healed. But one of the last times I visited her, she'd come out of hospital. They were home from hospital basically to die. And she said to me, I just want to go home. And I said, you are home? She's like, no, I want to go home. And it was that point I knew that she was not going to be healed. But she had this overwhelming faith that she was going to go home. So we took her siblings to Rainbow's End and we tried to help them process and understand. I met with all the youth group girls while we all processed how God did not answer our prayers I spoke at her funeral. It's still to this day one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. She was an exceptional girl, and I argued with God as to why. We wrestle when the worst happens, so I'm not here to tell you that if you have faith, bad things are not still going to happen. Sorry. In the past, I preached a message called Even If, and that message, this message made me recall a part of that message. In Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, majesty, that we will never serve your God or worship your golden statue you have set up. Even if I have faith to believe that he can, I, I have faith to believe, I, I, I believe that he can, I have faith to believe that he will, but even if he doesn't rescue me, I will still serve the Lord. 
that kind of faith can only come from God. I'm not suggesting you need to conjure that up yourself. I'm suggesting that kind of faith comes only from him. And he wants us to have it. It is a free gift to us. All we need to do is draw our wonky line and choose it. To choose to step back, leave fear behind us and choose to step forward into faith. To draw a line and say, I'm not going to let fear rule my life. I'm not going to let it wash over me. Every single time it creeps in unexpectedly because it comes quickly and unexpectedly and can debilitate us so quickly. Every time we feel even an ounce of fear, we choose faith. Even with a small prayer, I choose to believe you, God. Max Licardo has a quote saying, faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It is the belief (coughs) that God will do what is right. That he will do what is right, that we don't necessarily need to understand it, but he will do what is right. Faith to know that he is always thinking of you. You are always on his heart. Walking in faith has been in a place where faith wins over fear. But you know what? You can't walk it alone. We need God and we need others. Can I have the worship band up, please? As I was uh, just praying yesterday about this message, I, um, again, slightly out of context here, but I believe it relates. I remember the story of Moses. And you know the story of Moses when he's standing on the hill and there's a battle below him. And he lifts up his arms. And whenever his arms are raised towards God, they're winning the battle. And whenever his gets tired and his arms fall down, they're losing the battle. So they lift, others raise up his arms for him. And they win the battle. And sometimes fear comes to us so greatly or we face a situation that is terrifying and we need God first and foremost to give us strength to raise our hands in the beginning. But sometimes we need to include others to help us raise our hands that we will keep faith. So I just ask you all to stand. I'm gonna pray for you. But I really believe that uh, there are some people in this room that need to come forward. I'm going to offer prayer. There are people that want to pray for you, elders and, and staff and people on the prayer team that want to pray for you. They want to stand with you. They want to help you lift your hands in faith. That even if the worst happens, you'll keep your faith in Him that he is for you and not against you. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, that you win. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are on the throne. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are always thinking of us. But Lord, we choose to have our faith in you. We choose not to be ruled by fear. We choose to draw the line, wonky and shaky as it may be, 
We choose to trust you even when it hurts. We choose to fix our eyes on you. We want to thank you, God, that your perfect love casts out all fear. And we trust you today. We choose to trust you today with all our feelings, with all our emotions, with all that's going on. We choose to trust you today. Lord, as individuals, we choose faith over fear. Lord, as families, we choose faith over fear. Lord, as a church, we choose faith over fear. And for our community, we choose faith over fear. For our nation, we choose faith over fear. For our world that looks so lost, we choose faith over fear.